show, here we go. Real show, here we go. You know that it's gotta be that time, so this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance? Come on. You and I rocking out with Iron Man, F.E. You get the general's point of view on top of Roger's rants. Whenever it's happening out, we're putting the most minutes in you. Already know what that's about, you know that winners win. Crush whatever's on task, check the podcast. It's the champ in the trip, let the ball blast. What's up, everybody? Here we don't we don't we don't need intros anymore. We got we got Cody Jefferson in the building, uh, life coach, uh, marriage counselor, pastor. Uh, Embrace the lion, right? Is your slogan? Um, our boy Josiah obviously hooked us up, so thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, thank you, man. What's up, guys? What you got going on? That was quite the intro. Very busy, man. <laughs> you like that intro? That was something. Yeah, it was straight from the end. He's like, this guy, I don't know, pastor, <laughs> marriage, I don't know, life uh, hey, coach. I, I, I researched what you're into. Obviously, uh, Roger could have used your help probably a few years back. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. We're here now. We're here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was shots fired right there. Yeah, that's, that's how we do it. I, I understand that you, you are also divorced, correct? Yeah. One son, yeah. right? <laughs> One son, eight years old. Stetson, happily co-parenting. Absolutely. That's if you can get to that place, I think that's the most important thing in the world. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter, in my opinion, you tell me what you think, how you feel about that other person, even though I'm very copacetic at this point. Um, you always have to keep your kids' best interest at heart and always, you know, never let them see any ugliness. I think I think that's hugely important, despite how you may feel, you know, as an adult, you know, they're they're innocent. So yeah, well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you recognize there was a reason that you guys had a kid in the first place or two or three, however many you had. Like there was something there, some sort of chemistry and something that brought you two together. So if you can hold on to the idea that like there was something that was great enough to have a child together, maybe we didn't work out and that's OK. But there's no reason that a child should suffer in the midst of a relationship that didn't work out. So, yeah, we're great friends. Um you know, our significant others are, we're all great friends. So it works well for us. Um, I actually went on a date this weekend. Did you? Yeah. It was me, my ex-wife and her new boyfriend. <laughs> you know, went to Perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was good. Do you have kids? <laughs> yeah, we have two. We have two. You have two kids? How old are they? Six and eight. Okay. Boy, girl. How, what's... Uh, girl is the, the older one. Boy is six. He'll be seven May 5th. Cinco de Mayo. We're going to go drink a bunch of tequila. together. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Be a little weird for him, but all right. They're uh I'm kidding. They they I, you know, I don't know what my uh position or spot to be on this earth is, but I'll tell you what, my favorite one is being a father by far. You know what I mean? Like I I absolutely I see a lot of dads obviously, you know, today's day and age that we live in, there's a lot of absentee dads, but I also see yeah. a lot of every other weekend dads and dads that they're, they're they're dying to be in other place. I love hanging out with my kids, man. I love it. it's like my favorite place to be. Dude, my corny, but it really is. As a, being a dad is the, is the greatest gift of my life. You know, our whole tagline is helping good men become great and helping great men create movements. And uh, we believe that movement starts in the home. And being a dad, man, that is the that is the cornerstone. And really becoming the man that your son would want to become. Dude, I was picking uh, my son and my stepson up from school today. They're both eight, same class, same school. And he's like, Dad, I'm like, what's up? He's like, 
I need you to know you're kind of famous. I'm like, am I? He's like, everyone in the school knows you and they really like you and they know you're my dad. I'm like, listen, if that's what fame is, that's the best fat. That's all I need. That's all I need. If, if everybody in that school knows me as your dad, because I'm, dude, I'm homeroom dad, like PTA, very, very involved. So when guys tell me they don't have time, I'm like, I sit on the board of eight companies, travel as a keynote speaker. Please tell me you don't have enough time, please. So we make time for what we want. That's right. That's good. Now I understand that you, you also coach your son, right? You coach him in wrestling. Yeah. So we, yeah. Wrestling. Um, yeah, wrestling and uh, baseball. So we got spring ball right now. His main uh, wrestling coach is a guy named Shane Roller. He and I wrestled together in school, and he went on to OSU and uh, worked with John Smith for a long time, and then did some, some UFC stuff. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, he was a stud for sure. Yeah, so he. I knew I knew you were gonna be your kid be in good hands out in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh yeah, listen, we we got it, we got it. He uh, man, he just had a notable Americans project he had to do, and so everybody's like. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, all this stuff. He goes to his teacher and he's like, I'd like to do Jordan Burroughs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, nah, that's going to be a no. And he's what? like, why? Well, he's not passed away. But because he's an Olympic gold medalist, he got it through. So right. I like it. I like we did it, got it over to him. Dude, uh, everybody loves him. Like we got Mikey Chandler, like every time he wrestles, sending him videos like, you're already the champ, you know? So I think that's the cool thing about what I do is I've been afforded to make some really cool friends who in their eyes make me way cooler than I am. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, I, I, you know, my, my, both my sons wrestle my middle guy. Yeah. He's really into it. So uh, it's fun, man. It's uh, to me, it's mm-hmm. the best sport in the world. So to be able to, to have my kids do it is, uh, is, is special. It's a, this is a special kind of resiliency. I wrestled all through school <laughs> It's one of the few sports where you're fully responsible for your actions, but then that influences the entire team. Mm-hmm. So it teaches the discipline, teaches you to. Does your does your son have a preference? Does he prefer to wrestle, or is baseball more his thing? Man, he loves he he loves wrestling. He loves baseball. Baseball is pretty easy to him. You know, uh, he, I mean, he's a very athletic kid. The challenge of wrestling because right now he's eight so he's like two years in and so you got kids at open state who are now running legs and doing things he's never seen before and so like he just got he got a couple matches he just got slammed and wasn't mad about it he's like what did they do how do i do what was that what was that so he's just got this mind where losing is learning and he just i mean he just wants to be an absolute savage. And so I'm here for it. You know, I, what I find interesting about wrestling, and I don't know a lot about it. I don't have that. Oh, something happened. You're back. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, and I don't know a lot about it. My high school didn't even offer it because I went to such a small school in high school, but I asked Frankie a couple podcasts back. It seems like, you know, a lot of sports are softening a lot, you know? And I said, what about wrestling? It's wrestling softening at all. And I remember your answer was like a defiant. No, it hasn't. You haven't seen it at all. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, at the university level, I'm sure they're trying to, I don't know, soften them just because that just seems like the nature of the indoctrination that goes on in these universities. But I think wrestling has been protected, man. Wrestling is a hard-nosed sport. And uh, yeah. if you want to succeed, you want to be good, you have to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, we just had NCAA here in Tulsa this past weekend. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I took Stead up there. Dude, they were nothing soft about it. 
No way. No Nothing's way. off about it. Seems to be seems to be a little bit in his own bubble. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. a lot of changes happened in football and things like that because a lot of TBI injuries were happening. I mean, understandably so. But you know, you you watch you, you watch the days of old and how guys used to take hits and stuff, and it's certainly not that anymore. I'm not saying that they're not athletic or anything like that, but wrestling seems to be the same as it always was. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be changing much at all. Other than the kids are just getting way stouter, way quicker for some reason. Oh man! So, but other than that, the level of these guys is incredible. I mean, I, you know, I just just compared to how opportunities my kid had compared to what I had is is, is a night and day. Oh, absolutely. Even between school, private clubs. I mean, Greco Roman freestyle standard. I mean, there's just so many options. Plus, I mean, our kids can get online if they don't know something. And they can just, I mean, Search. he's got so many John Smith DVDs just teaching him technique, and he's eight. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have any of that. No. Flo, I think Flo is a big, big uh, proponent of that, you know, just yeah. is, uh, making stars out of these kids. I mean, uh, yeah, really, really getting their names out, which is pretty cool for the young guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's good. It's good. Cody, um, huge transition for you from the ministry to what you're doing now. How does that how does that happen? Is there a natural transition there somehow? Yeah. I mean, as natural as it can be. So I would say I'm probably more in ministry now I than I ever was uh, in the four walls of the church. I don't have the politics to deal with and I can walk with people where they're at. And I got out of the conversion business. So I just get to roll with people and see where they are. And uh, if my lifestyle and the way that, that I present myself and the peace that I, I, I try to emit everywhere I go. If that's interesting, we can have that conversation. Otherwise, man, uh, I just traded the pulpit for a platform. Uh, now, the transition was a little squirrely. Like it wasn't, uh, there was no good scandal or anything. Nothing like really awesome happened that would make headlines. Um, I went through a, a series of really crazy tragedy uh, in a year. So I went through a divorce. But in the midst of that divorce, I lost and buried eight family members and friends. So, 18-month-old niece, um, sister-in-law, a best friend, a mentor, my 19-year-old sister. I mean, that that anniversary is actually yesterday. Um, <clears throat> her life was taken. So these are murders and suicides and overdoses. Had three friends in ministry put guns in their mouths. And... Um, I'm leading all these funerals because I'm the pastor and that's what I do. And I show up and I'm all things to all people. And you know what it is when you just get so wrapped up in what you're doing that you don't even process anything. And um, I ended up going septic. So my body, there's due to the stress, my body shut down. And in the midst of that, uh, I was unconscious for about three days. Um, I'm not saying that on the third day I rose again, but, but I mean, that did happen. So about 25 pounds lighter, IV tree going into the bathroom, looking like death because I'd, my internal organs were shutting down. So I was, dude, my, my testosterone dropped below like 40. Like we're talking full hormonal shutdown, everything due to this stress and sepsis. And my son was not even two years old at the time. And that was solely triggered, triggered rather by, by stress? Yep. Wow. Yes, probably one of the worst. The stress, yeah, the stress, and just the the trauma when you're. I mean, you're. I was literally like burying someone close to me every month. Like I had, I mean, if we want to get real, like I had an 18 month old niece that was murdered. Uh, her 
mother took her own life. Um, I had an aunt pass away. I had a mentor 15 years died in a motorcycle accident. I had a best friend of 18 years. Um, we're not sure how he passed. We think it's a, maybe an accidental overdose. My 19 year old sister was strangled to death. So all of these unrelated, all of them freak accidents, but the trauma of seeing it and being in the hospital rooms with everyone and holding hands as people pass away and then having to go to church on Sunday, like everything's fine. Like there's no big deal. Meanwhile, I'm also losing my marriage. No real great scandal there. I was just working too much and she wanted to do something else. And um, I'm losing being a dad full time. I'm losing all these markers of identity. I'm losing the people closest to me. I've got people in the like communities that I grew up in, in saying that uh, all the death was my fault because of the divorce. That was God's wrath. Because you get into some of these small Oklahoma churches and that's kind of what they think. So it's just a lot. It just got to be too much to process. My body just shut down. I wasn't sleeping. Like I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. There was just too much trauma and your body can't cope with it. And again, I was burying friends, burying guys in ministry like me who were so overwhelmed with the pressure of performance and to be perfect. It's like, these are guys that have it all. How did we get here? And so that's where this whole thing started was I'm, I'm in the hospital and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I, I say, is this it? This is the, this is your legacy. Your son's not going to know you, but he's going to say, man, he worked himself to death though. He showed up for everybody else. And I asked myself the question of what needs to die and what needs to die in you to become the man that you said that you'd be. And that's been the, that's the cornerstone of everything we do now. And so it's been day after day of chipping away at what that means and becoming the man that I believe is the best version of myself is the best leader of my home, the most athletic version of myself, the wealthiest version of myself, most spiritually connected, most intimately connected the best friend, the best mentor, the best coach uh, that I can be. And so over the course of the past I know, seven years now, we've, uh, we've reached um, you know, millions of men. Uh, we've, we've walked uh, over 5,000 through our program. And so here we are. Now I travel the country, I speak, still do the coaching thing, sit on the board of eight companies. So helping scale them, keep uh, all of our enterprise value and interpersonal value in taxes we scale to exit so pretty heavy in the m a space and so, yeah is your faith That's transition as, as strong today as it was because of all that i mean certainly that would test anybody's faith it's different yeah it's different i think when i was in my 20s i think we all do um you don't really have you don't really understand the naivety and the arrogance of the things that you say and the ways in which you try to lead people, but you actually have no seasoning through experience of what that actually means. And so you're telling people, hey, man, God's, just, God's got a plan for this. Like, hey, you're going to be all right. Like, let's just pray for this. Like, going into hospital beds of people dying and trying to talk to them about where they're going and all this stuff. Like, I've learned now that faith is, is a journey. It's never a destination that you come to. And that some, some of the greatest leadership I've seen is not in having the right answers all the time or the most polished answers, but just being able to sit in pain and sit in silence with people without an answer. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say my faith is stronger than it's ever been, but it's also different. Um, there, there's a seasoning that's happened through, through the loss and the trauma and the pain and the growth.
um, I appreciate it more. And I don't have as many soft answers for anybody anymore. Well, you get those life experiences, I'm sure that, you know, make, make, I mean, that way, what do they say? If you think, if you have the same outlook on life at 20 as you do 30, you wasted, you know, 10 years of your life. So that's it. I just change is good. That's it. Typically adversity comes with age too. Not always, but most, most of the time. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And hopefully you're surrounding yourself with people that help you mitigate some of that, you know, tension and frustration and not having to go through all of the experiences that would challenge you, but learning along the way to, to cultivate seasoned wisdom around you to help you navigate through it with less complexity. Something you said kind of reminded me, you said, I learned how to sit with people in silence and pain. Was it's, It reminded me when I went to, to therapy after I got divorced, because most of the time, the therapist never said a word. It was, you know, and I, I never really believed in it. And I, I went just to get myself moving, get myself mm-hmm. out of the house. Because I, you know, there was weeks I barely got out of bed. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm rotting away here. You yeah. know, I lost 30 pounds, like you said, depressed, you know. And I went just yeah. to keep moving, just like it, it, it's a date and a time and an appointment that I got to be at, you know. So, but I found my, and it wasn't something that I ever in the past would have ever thought about doing. But I was like, it's something, at least it's something, you know. I yeah, go, and I would be there for an hour, and I, she said three words, but I'd go back the next week, and it was my I was my own therapist, really, kind of, you know what I mean? Like I was just venting and getting it out and talking mm-hmm. about it and not bottling it all up, and you know, I, I would go and I'd be like, oh, what, what am I doing here? I'm gonna just cancel the next appointment. She doesn't say anything, and I would go and I would go again. I did it for over a year. Yeah, so obviously it did something for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something about the process. I mean, you have to process the pain because if you don't transform it, I mean, you'll just continue to transmit it to your kids and the people around you and to your next relationship. You have to release it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it has to be transformed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I saw you, uh, you're friendly with uh, Wes Watson. We had Wes on and uh, Jason Faustin Pro. I saw saw you guys were at an event together. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Jason, a long time. Yeah, so Poston and I were down at uh, Bare Knuckle in New Orleans for that match, um, which, by the way, if you've never been to Bare Knuckle, shoot. Growing fast, really. Bro, but that's the most violent shit I've ever seen. It is. A lot of cuts, right? Oh, dude. And just the sounds. I mean, at least with like with UFC, you guys have, don't you have like a little bit of pad? Yeah, four ounce gloves, yeah. Yeah, like th- this is this is nothing. This is just taking straight strokes to the face with bare knuckles and it like the sounds of it here in bones break. Like it's a different kind. It's a, it's a different experience. Um, it was, uh, they definitely give violence a chance over there. So we went out to that. Um, and then I had an event, uh, with a company that I'm a part of last weekend in Denver and, and big West came out and, uh, gave a talk on his way to, I think he was on his way to Vegas for, uh jesse lee ward's event and so and then he was i think he was going to flexus to do a podcast with him that guy's everywhere he's all over the place there's something about his delivery that's bro he's one of the most it's always punctuated with a bunch of f words you just listen when he talks you just listen so here's the thing is is i'm watching him and like he's so intense but it's a casual intense it's just a conversational intense and you don't know because i'm like i don't i'm laughing because what he's saying is so absurd like what are you talking what what are you talking about right now 
and I'm laughing and then he'll look at me. I'm like, I don't I'm, shit. Am I not supposed to laugh right now? Like <laughs> you just talked about stabbing a guy yes, in the face. Exactly, exactly. I'm not sure. I'm just, should I not laugh? Is this a funny part? Is it not a funny part? I'm not really sure how to read the energy right now, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We found that to be true as well. When we, yeah. But, um, he I have, told him I have a message and listen, if he can yeah. go through what he went through, I think that could inspire anybody. You know what I mean? That's it. That's it, man. You do 10 in. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's something to, and it also, you know, it, it was interesting about this whole space. Um, there's a lot of flexing, a lot of flaunting, a lot of fronting, you know, a lot of things that aren't always what they seem. What I really appreciate, which is one why I love living in Oklahoma, because um, I can travel, I can do what I do, but like I come back to my roots, I come back to home. And uh, there's something really special about that. So there's nothing really to prove or anything else. I can just, I'm in Oklahoma. Um, but Wes, man, like anybody else tried to do that and you would feel like it was an act. You'd feel like it was a front. Yeah. But that dude, that's just a hundred percent. That's just him. Hey, you did 10 years. I mean, damn. Uh, yeah. Like this makes sense. I'll yep. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the fact that he looks the way he does after doing 10 years yeah. too. Man, that's pretty impressive. Shit. He'll show brief little moments of vulnerability though. He'll talk about like, you know, First week he was in, you know, I was crying. I was, yeah. I was calling my girl on the phone. And, you know, so he's, he shows, you know, I think you need that to make yourself relatable, you know, like, well, sure. We, you know, we're, we're all not the, you know, uh, yeah. not, not everybody can be a badass 24 seven, you know. Right. Well, otherwise, it's just a string of like just absurd stories that it's like, this is amazing to listen to. I'm, I can't relate, but this is really, crazy to listen to and i'm inspired that you're here but when he brings it back yeah it's it's special there's very few people that could relate to that which is why he's so interesting obviously he has the appearance the look the, the way he talks everything else which just helps all that but yeah how many people can relate to yeah. doing 10 years of hard time very very right. few people you know so, yeah. and a lot of people need that a lot of people need that really strong straight accountability to tell you like it is yeah. um again, in a culture that has gotten very, very soft. Correct. So don't, don't you think we need so much more of that right now? hundred percent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that it's good. it's good. You got someone like, like Wes, and then you got someone like yourself, someone like Josiah, someone like a uh, uh, Larry, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of different uh, personalities to gravitate to, to, to get help. And they don't have to be like, you say, you're not, you're not into the abrasive this, you know, you got to yeah. go to someone like yourself. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's good that there's people like you, doing the good work you know well i mean we st we stand for traditional masculinity we stand for you know what it's it means to be a man because it's, it's crazy out there it's crazy it's wild thankfully it's not as bad again it's not as bad here in oklahoma now, honestly where we where we live is it's it's if you look on social media it, everything looks crazy because it's heightened sure. to the, the thousandth degree but in real life it, it's not that bad i just left my right. kids wrestling practice there's little kids scrapping getting after it parents you know they're, they're not so soft on their kids. So I think in the real mm -hmm. world, it's, it's not as bad as it is. But yeah, social media is magnified. Yeah. Thousand percent. But I also think that's our circles as well. I think like attracts like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And we probably wouldn't hang out. I don't say snowflake, but I, we probably wouldn't hang out with those parents anyway. It's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. What are we going to have in common? I'm just I'm literally going to end up pissing you off with some in some way, shape or form. And this is not going to be fun. I, I have no interest in talking to those people because anything you say is just going to incite them to have a whole panic attack and meltdown. So why would I ever, why would I even try? I know I, I have no interest in even making an effort. No, so. no. So what do you do?
you guys, you want to hang out in Portland, Oregon this weekend, get a burger or something? Yeah. yeah. Now? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, since we're on that topic, how, how, how does society, how do we, how do we get back to, to real men? You know, Candace Owens has a whole bit on that, you know, bring back real men, bring back strong men. How, can we get back to that? I mean, there has to be a bottom to this somewhere, right? Well, sure. But I, I think what, what it's going to take is like us recognizing it's a need. Mm. So I think between society, media, mainstream media, that is, I mean, there's been such a demonization and culture has been dumbed down for sure. Like so substantially over the past years that most people don't even know what they want. They're waiting for media or government to tell them what they need and what they want. And we've got people who are so desperate to be known that they'll settle for being seen, mm-hmm. which means, and, and that's a cultural epidemic that we have. I mean, everybody deserves to be known, but everybody will settle for being seen. Mm-hmm. Like, just give me the 15 minutes, give me the likes, comments, and shares, right? Give me the attention. And so you've got people just doing absolutely absurd things for the sake of attention. And so the problem with where we're headed now is that we're denying objective truth. So there's subjective truth and there's objective truth. Objectively, like chromosomes create gender. Like it's not really, it's not up for discussion. It is what it is. But when we start saying it's not, then what is true? We start messing with vocabulary and definitions of words just to make everybody feel comfortable. That's the problem. And the, the problem with that is, is then we take away objective truth. And even in that, like everything that, that women have fought for for the past 60 70 years yeah. now being taken away and celebrated by men yeah. pretending to be like now you can't be a woman better than a man can be a woman yeah You're they stole they stole that from you i just read an article that the, the u.s weightlifting has to allow transgender women on it it's decimated it's crazy women's sports you know it's crazy you can't be empathetic to a group it doesn't and still defend what's right in my opinion you know sure sure you want to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself you listen so long as you're not hurting me or my family like and you want to call yourself whatever fine but you can't expect me to create cognitive dissonance with objective truth to honor what you think is true Yeah, like, believe. I would I would prefer you guys if you guys could just every time you address me, the most intelligent, the most handsome, dashing, charismatic man you've ever met. I don't care what I say, don't care how offended, that's how I would like to be addressed. That. Yeah. 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 That's how I'd like you to talk to me. Yeah. Right? That's dumb. Yeah, well when when do we draw the line? That's that's the thing. When do we draw the line? You know, there's literally kids in school saying they're dogs, you know, like Mm-hmm. Car. I need. I need. I need. You know. I need oil change. You know. What are we? What are we doing here? It, it's going to take. It's going to take strong parents standing up for what is right, and and for objectively what is true, which means at some level we have to reestablish a code of ethics and a baseline of cultural normality, which is why I think people have to want that faith in god is so important yeah. because that sort of brings that to the table and i think that's that's what we've got away from and if you and if you see that they're pushing us away from it you know sure 
I don't want to get shadow banned here, so I don't want to be too specific, but you know, they're they're the powers that be are certainly pushing you away from that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to tell anyone what to believe. I think you come to your own conclusions with things. Um, I know what I believe and it's, and it is been and continues to be a pillar in my life. And so you can look at the fruit of my life and look at the fruit of what is being built and has been built and where we're headed and make your own assessments about that. I would, I would be interested in, in what I believe simply because of the fruit of my life. But you take out all of those fundamental principles and you're, you're just left with chaos. Exactly. And I think that's what they want, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Because, order with because then everyone is afraid and no one knows what truth is. So then you have an entity that can come in and guide you and tell you what truth is and help you create a perception of peace out of the chaos that they created for you to live in. Yeah. That's good. Oops, sorry, buddy. I'm just saying, well, but why, why does it feel like as of late, we're just under attack, right? Yeah, like from within through. Bro, through dude, there's been so many like Black Swan, like just weird events, like Black Swan events, like events that shouldn't happen. Right, right. Yeah, just stacked. No, I feel like we're living in, in a movie right now. Today is Tuesday. We, we all know what was supposed to happen today. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. right. But now it's going to be next week. Yeah, right. right. So, this, this, hmm? The hoopla can keep us talking about it. Wild world we're living in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even, yeah. you know, like when I was a kid, I believed you hear something that you were told and you're told it's science. Like you kind of learn that in like grade school, high school, whatever. And it's it's concrete, right? Can't be right. Can't, Science is now, I think we've all learned in the last three years or so that science is now malleable. You can make science what you want it to be, you know? Sure. And that's, it's not supposed to be like that, you know? Right. So, Right. Like you can research carbon dating and carbon dated is dated by the carbon, which is then dated by water lines, but that's dated by the carbon. So everything just kind of circles back and falls in on itself. Right. Right. So you can find multiple definitions for almost anything that you. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, because English is Bible, the Bible being one of them. Well, yeah, well, because English isn't a common language. I mean, English is an origin language. So. So yeah, it's interpretation there. Mm hmm. Yeah, which is why we have so many divisions within, you know, Christianity and with every major religion, we have different denomination, different sects, you know, different people interpret it different ways. And that's how we got here. As human beings, we just like to be, uh, we like to be, I don't know, something like, you know, what, what, even 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 like the Resist. same religion, yeah, even the same religion can't can't figure it out to get, get along, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we tend to we tend to do a really good job on focusing what divides us versus what brings us together. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot we're we're really a lot more alike than, than, than people think, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. Sadly in, in, in my time, the most united I can remember us certainly as a country was nine eleven. And how sad is it that something like that had to happen to bring us all together and show unity. Yeah. Nobody cared what you who you prayed to. Nobody mm-hmm. cared what sex you were. Nobody cared who you dated, you know? No, just, but those weren't even really conversations. No, no. Nobody uh, cared. And look at we had other now. things to deal so with. We had other things to think about. Awful and heinous like that to happen, you know? And here we are all at each other's throats now. And it's just, it's, it, I've, as a parent, I'm not worried about me. I know I can handle myself. I'm worried yeah. about my children. And Dude, that's it. When I'm not here to protect them. Anymore. That's it. That's what scares the shit out of me. That's a hundred percent it. You know, it's interesting I think about the things that we 
used to not necessarily fight for, but things that we would drive towards and capitalism, pre-internet, um, communities were a little smaller because obviously we didn't have access. Like you had to wait for the newspaper, right? Like it was just different. That's the way it was when I was in school. Um, this didn't, none of this came about until I was high school, uh, college. Facebook wasn't a thing until I was deep in like in my twenties. Yeah. And so the, the thing about that is, you know, now you look at all the things that we fight about. It's like, is this how bored we are? That's what it is. Like, are we this bored that we just have to make shit up like, so that we can like fight about it? Too easy. Yeah. yeah. Like things are too, like the hardest part. Like you got guys posting all the time. Like, you know, I get up early because I have to release the like I have to silence the inner bitch or whatever it is like. And I work out and do the hard things. And I'm like, imagine how bored you are that the hardest part of your day is taking care of your body and going to the gym. Like that's your do hard work. That's your hard. That's the hardest part of your day. Never thought about it. Like that. That's the worst. That's just taking care of your body, not putting trash in your body, pushing and pulling heavy things, things that 150 years ago men did as a way of making a living. Now it's the hardest. Now it's the hardest part of your day. And it's an hour and you're paying your dues. What dues are you paying other than the 150 bucks a month you pay at a posh gym with a sauna? What dues are you paying? Exactly. What do you, what, what, what? like, like that's, like, that, that's how, that's how easy our life is now, it's hard, but we're so disconnected that we create confrontation. We create that urgency. We create, we have to create it. We need to be out hunting animals, chasing animals. It's the healthiest lifestyle. You know, chasing animals. Y'all come to Oklahoma. Help you. Yeah, yeah, right. That might be the move, honestly. Yeah. Come to Oklahoma. We can go hunting anytime. It's not a bad place either. Oklahoma, Maine, those will work. Yeah. But I saw a picture today. Someone sent it to me. It was a meme, obviously, but it was like, it was it was real, you know? It was like uh, what what the beaches used to look like in the 60s. And it was just, you know, a bunch of probably I saw it. something, men, women, they were all in shape. And then it said 2023. And it's just a bunch of obese people yeah. wearing yep. like you know, the linen off the table that, that to call it a bathing suit, you know, it's crazy. So yep. it's, uh, I've seen something like half by, by 2035, half the world, not the U S half the world is going to be overweight. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Cause we have it too easy. Yeah. Everybody. We have it too easy. People sit around all day. We eat processed foods, you know, not like it's, it's le the way that inflation it's, it's more cost effective to eat trash mm -hmm. And put that in your body than to eat whole food. Like we're we're fortunate here in Oklahoma. Like we've got we've got our cattle rancher, we've got our butcher. It's pretty common here. Like we get half a steer every six months. So we go through a steer a year. You know, we get all of all of our poultry. We get everything from our local farmers. So we know it's all grass fed, grain finished, like there's no antibiotics, no anything. And I mean it's even going out and eating. Even if you get a steak somewhere, it's different. Mm. Yeah. It's it tasty. Bryce Mitchell, him, he, you know, he's a UFC fighter, young kid, and he's he's kind of very in tune with what's going on with the world and things, and he very much believes that you know living off grid per se is is the best thing you can do to you know fight, resist or fight back. He's, in, this, he's in Arkansas, right? Arkansas, yeah, yeah. So Arkansas, Oklahoma, you can probably live a little more grid than you can in Jersey. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You can get a lot of property out here uh, for very, very reasonable. And um, I'm not saying that I do or do not have property, but it's very easy to access here and you can be off the grid pretty easy. That'll always be home for you. Yeah. I love it here. My family is here. My 91 year old grandmother's here. And my son is here. And so, yeah, there's no, there's no reason to leave. It's quiet. It is the, the politics are good. Um, for the most part, everybody loves God and you can open carry. And so, you know, that low taxes. Why not? That's awesome. Yeah. I can fly anywhere I need to go. Listen, I'm, I was in Denver last weekend. I'm in Scottsdale next weekend. Then I'm in Salt Lake city. Then I'm in Orlando. I'm all over the country. It's nice to come back to quiet. There's no better determinant for crime than someone open carrying. You know what I mean? This and it's everybody. It's yeah. wild west. You walk into a store and three out of the five dudes that are in there are open to carry. Yeah. Probably not to rob it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And two of those five at least are just hoping somebody does something. Yeah. Like they're like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> I honestly kind of hope my house gets broken into one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we have stand your ground. So you enter this threshold, game over. So you are a stand your ground state. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you enter this threshold. Now, the difference is like, and this is, might be a little much. I don't know. Like you, you, the deed has to be done because if not, you can get sued if you injure somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So get that laser sighted in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Work that grouping. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, when we, people ask me, like, how many firearms you have, I'm like, what room? <laughs> because I can I can pull out three right now if you want me to. Like, that, that's where we're at. I think that is a very important, um, you know, something to teach your children. You know, my, my kids have mm-hmm. already bought shooting several times. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, I think that that is, you know, important. I, I would love, it's funny because I grew up in Maine. I grew up, like, hunting at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Deer hunting, partridge hunting with my dad, very, very young age. And earlier younger than my kids are now you know and mo- most of it at the, at this age you know my kids are six and eight almost seven and um i remember when i was a little kid most of it was just walking in the woods with my dad which was so fun we didn't really shoot a lot of things but it was just learning and then you know we'd always sight the guns in before we go and it was it was just a whole experience unfortunately my kids are so soft you know from living in jersey i don't think i could ever get them to shoot anything but i, I did say to Monty, you know when we go home to maine i'm going to teach you how to hunt we're going to sit up in a tree stand and we're going to mm-hmm. wait for something to walk in and it's up to you if you want to shoot. You don't have to. Dad won't be upset with you at all. But we're going to learn the trade because I think I think it's an important skill to learn. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, um, and she kind of had a little tear in her eyes. Said, okay, Daddy, I'll do it. I know she's not going to shoot it. You know? Yeah. But still, so it's just quality time in the woods with Dad. You know? Well, and I mean, here it's again. I wouldn't say everyone, but at least for from where I'm from, and I grew up hunting. Like I knew how to clear a rifle and a shotgun and a pistol by the time it's probably seven. Stetson knows how to clear firearms. You know, he knows how to clear. He's got a 22 rifle. Um, if we ever go handgun, he's got uh, a little 380 um, just so he can understand the mechanics of it. Because if, if they can understand it, they understand why it works, how it works and understand the respect that goes along with it. Right. The, the wind, then we're good. Yeah. It's when it's when they don't understand the severity of what it is and they go looking for things and they go looking for things that they're not supposed to have. Uh, that's just not the converse. That's not the conversation 
here. I mean, he's got a 410, which is a little shotgun. Yeah. It was my first shotgun. So, Mine did. Yep. yeah. I, I, the first time I ever took my kids, because obviously they don't know, even though, you know, gun safety was the number one thing that I was trying to teach them there, mm -hmm. I brought all single shot. Everything was single shot. The rifle was yeah. single shot pistol because. You can't sweep somebody on a, you know, on the secondary round because there's no, there's no, there's not another round, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's kind of getting into it now too, which is cool, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Went to the range, got like on the range once in a while. So it's, uh, it's a good skill to have, you know. You got, yeah. You know, I'm gonna pick myself with my hands, but you know, get a little far distance, I need, I need to protect myself that way. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's good to be able to understand how to use a firearm, but also how to protect yourself with your hands. I think every man should know how to defend himself and defend his family. Yeah. And so I'm a big sure. fan of wrestling and jujitsu and yeah. boxing. So I think combat sports or uh, any of even karate. I mean, you know, anything mm -hmm. in the combat sport uh, is uh, I think a must. It's a great mm -hmm. kids too. And uh, you know, just for, I mean, self-defense of course, but to give self-confidence too. Sure. Uh, it, it changes kids. I see it change kids. You know, you get a kid's a little shy, bashful, maybe not the most confident kid. He joins yeah. wrestling or jiu-jitsu, and I mean, they just blossom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, and I've also seen both in my own life and then just being around athletics my entire life, you put kids in those kinds of sports, they naturally become protectors. Mm -hmm. And they learn the respect of their team. They learn the respect of what it is to be a part of a team, specifically a part of a winning team. They learn how to lose well. You know, they learn how to lose effectively. Uh, they learn how to use their mind critically. So, you know, one of the things I love about jujitsu or wrestling or boxing is it's it's not always about speed and it's not always about how strong you are. I mean, sometimes this is about patience. This is about thinking things through. This is about defense as much as it's about offense. So... They're, uh, you know, those three things are definitely think thinking people sports. Yep. I mean, you know, you got to think in football, baseball, basketball, but, uh, you know, when, uh, when a slam or a punch in the face or a submission is, is the consequence of what you're doing, yeah, you think it'll put a little more thought into it. What's, what's, what's Tyson say? Everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So, how, how do people look, get, get in touch with you if they want to work with you? Oh, I mean, I'm pretty easy to find. You can just look up Cody Jefferson on the internet. But how do you get your, 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 I'm saying like, I know it's kind of a generic question, but like, how do you yeah, get you, yourself out there? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're asking how we like, how we distribute content or how somebody finds to me. So I've been on over 300 and probably 75 podcasts at this point in time. So again, when I say I'm like my story, everything about me is pretty easy to find on the internet. And then through that, like all of our programs, you can go to CodyJefferson.com, find them there. Um, our main mastermind for men is ETL, which is embrace the lion, etlroundtable.com. Uh, and then I'm pretty active on every social channel, probably Instagram more than any other. Uh, so if you reach out to me on Instagram, I'll always hit you back. Just let me know that this is the podcast that, that you're coming from so that I know how to catalog it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so how did you start? Like for like first start, like obviously weren't where you are today. How did you start so small? I mean, you were a pastor first. Was that guy was kind of like the way, yeah. the way into this? Yeah. So I was a pastor. Uh, I started writing workout programs, people, and I was coaching CrossFit while I was a pastor trying like supplementing income. And um, this was like 2016 and you could go viral pretty easy on the internet. 
So in the midst of everything that's going on, like I'm in good shape. I mean, I'm in better shape than, you know, most personal trainers or anybody else. Um, and so 2016, real talk, like single dad covered in tattoos, not bad looking, no shirt on, um, did pretty well in the fitness space real quick. A lot of things went viral in a lot of single dad groups for ladies. And I started selling fitness programs, 30 day challenges, uh, stacked that up to six figures pretty quick. Uh, but then recognized like, I didn't want to be the guy that just had a shirt off all the time. Like being my background, I'm like, I've got more, like there's, there's more to me than this. And I had a, obviously a background in organizational leadership and communication in walking with people in um, team dynamics and all of that translates directly into business. And so when I transitioned out of ministry, Really, I just wanted to help men with their head, heart, health, and habits. What I recognized is I started getting a lot of businessmen who wanted to work on those things, but also needed help in the areas of growing their companies from a culture perspective, a team dynamic leadership and communication perspective, and making sure everybody was on the same team, had the same vision, had the same mission, and we're all pointed towards a very, very you know common trajectory. I was you know leading. 5,000 people towards one collective mission. Like I can lead your team of 50. And so that's what really started all of this and, and catapulted into where we are today. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't super sexy. It wasn't like I just started banging out seven figures in seven weeks. Like everybody on the internet says um, I've been a licensed mechanic for 22 years. I've been a licensed barber for 21. I was flipping Harleys out of my girl. Cause listen, I didn't have like a steady paycheck when I stepped out of ministry. Like I didn't have a salary anymore, but I, I damn sure had a mortgage I had child support, I had insurance, I had bills, I had all these things I needed to pay for. So I knew what my monthly burn was. And so it's like, if I can flip two Harleys a month and I can do about 25 haircuts, if I can, I I toured the country for about a decade as a musician while I was in ministry. So if I can give guitar lessons, piano lessons, if I can give vocal lessons, if I can play bars on the weekends that I don't have my son, like I can make this work. And so it was a hustle. And I was doing a lot of things, uh, but I had my peace and I wasn't answering anybody. I didn't need to be on, you know, one of the things that, that was tough for me in ministry, I was just on all the time. I was working 18 hour days because that's just, I didn't know where God stopped and my job began. And I felt like if I didn't show up, if I didn't answer somebody's call, if I wasn't always available, uh, that somehow I was disappointing God or I was, I was letting my potential down. Uh, so stepping into a new season, obviously uh, I evolved and let all of that go. Recognize the potential isn't something I live up to, but it's just a promise that I get to live from. Uh, and a lot of our guys struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that who are faith-based is trying to juggle uh, that balance. So that's how it started. Um, I I got plugged into a couple of network markets, uh, Beachbody being one of them. Uh, I wasn't a rep for them, but I was pretty good at telling stories. It's all I'd done for 15 years. Pretty good at marketing, pretty good at helping people understand their position in a story and how to make that story their own. So I started teaching marketing and started teaching how to close people inside of DMs and on calls. People are like, how are you good at sales? I'm like, I literally, I, I, I taught I like 
I convinced teenagers to not have sex for 10 years. Like I can sell anything. And so, um, just had a knack for all of these things. All the things that I took for granted uh, that seasoned me in ministry were the very things that really catapulted me into a very natural progression. Uh, I got started on stages pretty quick into the transition. Um, again, that's all I had known for about 15 years. And so the there was no learning curve of needing to learn how to communicate or learn stage dynamics. I was better than most because I had so many reps. Mm. I mean, I was on a stage three or four times a week for almost 15 years. So translate it very, very simply. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't raining buckets of money at first. (laughs) (laughs) Having the personality of look certainly help, you know, they kind of go. Listen, I'm very clear and I'm very aware that and I tell people when they say like, can I just do what you do? I'm like, you don't talk like me. You don't look like me. You don't have my experiences. You know, you don't have a skull on your hand, um, which is awesome at PTA meetings, by the way. (laughs) And so there's a lot of dynamics that go into making an individual who they are. And so I believe that everybody can do extraordinary things, but like, I'm not going to be you. I'm not going to be Wes. Right. Like, and I think when we start to try to be other people, we start to try to emulate, we just lose our, we lose that power because you're just the shit version of somebody else. Yeah. You lose your identity. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's how it started. And and now we're here, but it was, it meant it was a good time because it was on my terms. Yeah. And so I still work on bikes. I still flip Harleys. Um, something I'll always do. Uh, I've got an 89 Bronco too that I've restored and, uh, so, yeah, I've got a lot of buddies who really love supercars and love, you know. I sold this guy's Harley for him because he didn't want to be bothered with it. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, what was it? Harley, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I got a lot of guys that are in supercars and Ferraris and Lambos and all that stuff. I'm like, just give me a, give me a 70 Chevelle. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It's cool muscle oh. But I think that's a Midwest. I think that's probably a country Midwest thing. Oh, so. I like some old cars too, though. Yeah, I want to mind the Ferrari though. <laughs> no, so I mean, I'll, real talk. I've been looking at a couple of Ferraris, so I'm not. I'm not against them. It, yeah. uh, one of the things that you'll need to know if you ever come here is the roads are trash. Oh yeah, really? There's a lot of potholes, narrow lanes, and so like a Lambo or something like that just wouldn't. It just wouldn't fare well here. And I think the closest maintenance dealership is in Dallas, so you'd have to trailer it four and a half hours. Oh wow! Just to get the oil changed. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. But you know, can't go wrong with the car. We got peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, peace. Peace is nice. I used to love the the. I used to be a fan of Chip Foose and the show that he had. His is like he would take like old school muscle. Yes. Cars, like you know, upgrade the the brakes. Obviously, all disc brakes, all mm-hmm. right. One off, you know, rims on them. He, he built yep. some insane, beautiful cars. You know, so. Yeah, he would uh, resto mods. Is yep. yeah, yeah. 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 No. All right. Um, yeah. So, what, what what else do you have for upcoming engagements? Someone wants to uh, come see you. You got anything that's open to the public? Or, I mean, we've got. I don't know when this will air. So, we've got an event next weekend, but that's going to be for people who are generating seven figures and above. This is all about like non sexy stuff, like tax mitigation and buying and selling companies and um, whole life and how to create like infinite banking and things of that nature. So we got a mansion that we, we have out in Scottsdale. So we'll be out there next weekend. Um, outside of that, we've got, I'll be at SolarCon in Salt Lake. That's a big roofing solar convention. Cause I'm 
I've got equity partner in a residential solar, commercial solar, carbon credits, private fund. So, uh, and then the weekend after that, so the 27th, 28th, I'm in Orlando for the weekend MBA with Ed Milet. So you're busy, busy man, busy man. I'm just productive. Hey, that's good. Busy is good. I always say Listen, I, 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 I would rather, I would be, I love running at full speed and showing my son what's possible, bringing him whenever I can. The, the big thing for me is I don't miss games. I don't miss practices. So if anything is during the week, it's just an automatic no for me because I'll miss, I'll miss spring ball. So it's only on the weekends and only on the weekends that I don't have them. Right. I believe that idle time is the devil's playground. I really do. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they say that a, a man without purpose is a ship without a rudder. I think so many guys, they're just bored. And it's not that you need to overwork yourself, but man, if you're passionate about what you do, like I could, I could literally be in the gym three times a day. I just, I love training. I love working out. I could work all the time. I love it. I love what I do. I love everything I'm a part of. I could be with my family 24 seven. My the kid, the boys will give me a run for my money for sure. Um, I will need some sort of sleep aid, uh, by the end of the day and just calm my nerves down, but I love my family. They're amazing. And so when you have passion in your life and you have purpose and you have pursuit towards that, you can run through a wall. Yeah. Hey, let's find something you love to do. You never work a day in your life. Yeah. So, all right. Cause I think you can go overboard. Yeah. But that's a lot of what I work with guys on is just creating the margin right margin and boundaries and so looking at what you have margin for in your life people ask me how i sit on the board of so many companies along with running my own and travel and i'm deeply involved in the school system um involved in our church like how margin and boundaries i know what my time constraints are from 4 30 in the morning until 9 p.m at night all of my time is blocked out so that early morning time that's all me but it's still blocked out because if it's on my calendar every day, then I prioritize it. If I say I'm going to be at the gym at 515 every morning, it's an appointment. I will honor it. And if family time is in the evening, I schedule it out. Why? Because if I don't, we're, we tend to do something else. But if I know, if I block this out and I say no phone during this time and it's just family time, well, then that's my priority. Because if that, if, if I say like show like one of our sayings is this is who I am. So this is what I do. I don't care how you feel about it. If you say you're something, what does that mean? You say you're a great dad. What is a great dad? What is that? You need to define it because then you need to put those habits in action. So for me, it's putting everything down on a calendar and understanding what my margin, what boundaries are every 15 minutes I'm scheduled. And that makes it a priority. And so for me, it's like, I wouldn't, we're on this podcast. I wouldn't 10 minutes before text you be like, oh, dude, you know what, man? Like, I'm it's not really feeling, I'm just tired tonight. I'm not really feeling it, but like maybe tomorrow, like, you know, we'll just see. Let's just play it by ear. But we do that to our kids. No ideas. <laughs> we do it to our, we do it to our wives. We do it to our significant others. We do it to our families. We do it to our friends. We do it to the people that we're supposedly building all this to spend time with. Man, it's just a real long, it's a busy day. So what you're saying is they got your best, then I'll get the leftovers. So for me, if I, if I prioritize and I put it in my calendar, I don't take calls after 
there's nothing like really romantic about that. It's just school pickups at four mm. and I'm the dad who picks kids up. Right. Like that's a, I'm here to set the standard. So I set the standard physically. I set the standard emotionally. I set the standard in business. Like I manage and create my time in such a way I'm really quick to hire. That way I get my time back. I'd rather give money away and allow us to create this movement even faster so that I can have my time back. So yeah, I'm busy, but important thing that productive is present. I don't mean yeah. present like there. I mean present like actively spending time being involved in your kid's life and doing yeah that that makes memories. You know, I don't mean I don't mean sitting next to them on the couch looking at your phone because that's not right. You know, so yeah. well, and if you'll do that, what you'll find is like your kids are actually pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, dude. My kid is rad. Older, man, as they get older too, it's just wild how they how they turn out and and. Wow, how they've been listening. Your kids listen, man. Yeah. <laughs> 14, well, not, I got 14, 12, and 8. And like, geez. You got the gamut. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got the gamut. Yours, you're 14 and 12. They already know everything. Yeah. Oh, that's the, <laughs> of course. My my oldest is two boys, and my, my my daughter's the youngest. And my oldest is about to be in, in high school next year. So, yeah, they know everything. They know everything. Yeah. But, and, but even, even in what they listen to, I've found, and I was a youth pastor for 10 years, kids watch. They'll listen, but they'll watch. And they'll watch if your words align with your actions. If they don't, they just lose respect. They won't listen to you. But if you actually live it out, there's a respect there. Because, well, I mean, you're doing what it is that you're telling me to do. And if my life reflects something that is appealing, is peaceful, is flourishing, then this makes sense. Like if I've always had your back and I'm always doing the things that I say are useful to do, then it would make sense that like, I'm not just trying to be, you know, a dick mm. and a tyrant. I'm always going to emulate you. So you owe it yeah. to them to not let them see the ugliness. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that ugliness doesn't happen. It certainly does, but it's not for their eyes, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. All right, brother. Listen, I, it was a good go, man. I think there's some really good takeaways for even for myself. Uh, some good cool, man. Points there for me. So, yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate you over here, and uh, I, I'll definitely be following. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, great talk to you, man. Uh, we'll probably look, revisit this down the line. Let's Please see where where you take it next. Um, Love it. See, Roger, you better hope Milani takes that shot, otherwise you won't get no deer. <laughs> Fair enough. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you guys ever want to come out and go hunting? Just let me know. Yeah, hey, Love definitely, that. definitely. Love that. Trying to get this guy to go to PA with me. A uh, guy I work with uh, goes out there quite often. Goes to a lodge, and they said nice. oh, they all but guarantee you, you know, right? They do boar, they do turkey, they do deer. But I want to get him out there. I feel like oh, you got to do it. The most purposeful. You got you got a freezer full of meat, you know. So I'm going to try to get him out there. I'm in. Go. I'm in. Get, all right. L listen, it's a pact. He's in. All right. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, appreciate right. you, brother. Thank, Thank you, you so brother. much. All right, fellas. See y'all.